Hey everyone, here's the preview for our final part of Unions and the Mob Reputation versus Reality series as it pertains to the Teamsters. If you want the whole thing, go to patreon.com slash workstoppage and support us with $5 a month. Since we're an entirely listener-supported podcast, is the only way that we get money for this, and so we really appreciate that. If you can't afford to become a patron, jump in the Discord, message one of the admins, and we can hook you up with this. And... With that, I'm just going to get you right on into this preview. Hope you enjoy it, and solidarity forever. So, following protests over the way steel haulers and the Teamsters were not having their considerations heard in, in national agreements, some rank-and-file members of the union formed the... Poorly named... Fraternal Association of Steel Haulers, which results in the incredibly unfortunate acronym FASH. That's... <laughs> Yeah, they really dropped the ball there. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, poorly thought out, although perhaps, you know, in the late 60s, there was less discussion of things in the country as fascist. But uh, considering the uprising sweeping the country at the time, I kind of doubt it. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's not great, but whatever. (laughs) It is what it is. Uh, So I'm going to be saying fash a lot in this episode and be clear, this is who I'm talking about, not a general, you know, just colloquialism for fascists. (laughs) That's right. So this group began organizing to demand changes or that they would secede from the union. In October of 1969, members of fash launched a wildcat strike in Youngstown, Ohio, over the firing of one of their members. Teamster leadership condemned the strike for not following contractual grievance procedures. And when FASH members refused to end their wildcat, things became immediately ugly. Now, here's your first clue to the problem. You have the Teamster members being like, hey, they fired one of our guys. That's bullshit. We're going on strike. And the union leadership, instead of being like, yeah, yeah, you are. Fuck that. You're going out until they hire him back, which is, of course, the response you want from leadership. They're like, hey, you didn't go through the grievance procedure. You need to end your strike. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. It's really condescending to the members, just like directly condescending to the actual needs of their members. Yeah, absolutely. And unfortunately, it would get far, far worse than them just being condescending. So on October 28th, Youngstown Teamster Local 377 President John Angelo assembled a crew of 120 members armed with bats, golf clubs, and firearms and drove into Youngstown aiming to break the Wildcat strike. FASH members catching wind of the convoy of strikebreakers similarly armed themselves to defend their picket line. The two sides confronted each other at the picket line outside the Stony Trucking Company, And in what would be termed the Battle of Stop 5, the 120 Teamster leadership loyalists brawled with FASH members and even exchanged gunfire with no involvement of the local police who were well aware that it was happening and just stood around and watched. Uh, Incredibly, a, a local news team was actually on the scene and caught some of the fighting from extremely close up. I was honestly shocked when I watched the video of this a, that it was preserved on YouTube, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And B, just the fact that they're like, you have these guys that are shooting at each other and the camera guy is just standing like uh, like 20 feet from them. So we've got a clip from that that we'll insert here.
Look out, Hank. Move back. Move back, Hank. Move back, Hank. What you've just seen has been variously described as a battle, a skirmish, a riot, and even a war. It has come to be known as the Battle of Stop Five. For reasons unknown, Jerry Stoneburner, head of the trucking firm, did not notify the sheriff or the highway patrol. Teamster official John Angelo reportedly phoned Stoneburner and asked him to hold up the convoy until he, Angelo, arrived at the truck terminal. A short time later, at least 21 cars loaded with Teamster members arrived at the terminal with Angelo. They piled out of their cars armed with baseball bats and golf clubs. As a means of identification, a light-colored blanket was torn into strips and used as armbands. After consultation with trucking company officials, Angelo ordered everyone to move out. At 12.20, nine steel-laden rigs interspersed with cars carrying Teamsters formed a convoy and headed for the Republic Steel Plant at Stop 5, about 10 miles away. Meanwhile, about 100 members of FASH had gathered at a vacant lock at Stop 5, which they had leased as their picket headquarters. They knew of the convoy and were prepared to deal with it. Angelo was driving the lead car as the convoy approached Stop 5. He stopped his car, stepped out, and yelled to the pickets that he'd suspend them from the Teamsters Union. At this point, the battle began. During the early confusion, several trucks drove through the area and made it into the steel plant. The others could not get through. WFMJ was able to capture exclusive news film of the battle, because of some foresight in rushing two news teams to a parking lot next to the FASH lot just before the confrontation. We filmed the battle from between the two factions while reporters and photographers from our competing stations attempted to cover the action from a block away. So yeah, it is absolutely wild. And yeah, I, I just can't believe that the, you know, I mean, I absolutely can believe that the police just let it happen because I feel like the police were just like, let them fight, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And just, I don't know. Yeah, it, it's it's not so much that I expected, you know, the, the, the cops to come in and protect the picket line. Absolutely not. It's more that something like this happening today, I would expect the police to intervene and just unleash violence against both sides. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, instead, here, they were just like, yeah, whatever. It's union guys. Let them fight each other. We don't give a shit. And so while the strike breakers outnumbered the strikers two to one, the fascist dissidents held their ground and defended the picket line. Despite the police being well aware of the convoy, they allowed the group to engage with the fascist protesters without any attempt to intervene until half an hour into the fight. At that point, cops finally broke up the battle with tear gas and arrested several members on both sides. One strike breaker was killed in the exchange of gunfire and eight people from either side were hospitalized. Uh, and so you might be wondering, this is a big incident. How have I never heard of this from labor history? Well, part of it might be because the legal response to this, again, one of the strike breakers died, eight people were hospitalized and there was an exchange of gunfire. And yet only 13 of the 150 participants in the battle were charged with any crime and all of them received suspended sentences and fines. No one went to jail over an open street shootout, <laughs> which like, look, you know, we're abolitionists. I'm not suggesting that yeah. we need to be throwing people into jail. It's just, again, from the perspective of the police state we live in today, it's so hard to process that this happened. And they were like, 
well, whatever, don't do it again. Also, you owe us some money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. that's incredibly light. I, I mean, they didn't have the 24-hour news cycle back then, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just an incredible incident. <laughs> and, uh, and so following the shootout, <laughs> again, this is another, like, this is two groups that are ostensibly in the same union mm-hmm. shooting at each other. So that's, you know, some real... Uh, excesses of the cultural revolution problems happening here. Um, But following the shootout, FAST changed their goals from internal union reform to total secession. Uh, Leadership under Fitzsimmons was no more tolerant of dissent than Hoffa was, and so the steel haulers basically decided they weren't going to get anywhere with negotiations. Mm -hmm. Which is something we've seen before, where groups within the Teamsters are like, hey, we really need rank and file you know, uh, democracy and, and responsibility and accountability. And then they are just so grievously, you know, repressed from within the union that eventually they're like, fuck this. We're going to go do our own thing. Yeah. And it's one of it. And this is one of those things that's really tough because, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, what's the, what's the tactical approach that, mm-hmm. you know, socialists who want to build the labor movement into a like real fighting force for change, should do when we consider the fact that there are many unions that even if they're not corrupt or associated with the mob are very conservative and run on a very pro-business ideological line. And, you know, we've talked about how the whole strategy of dual unionism, like making purely socialistic or, or anarchist, syndicalist, whatever version you want, whatever tendency it focuses on, that that kind of unionism has traditionally failed because mostly what happens is you take the most progressive members out of the existing union, which only makes it easier for the conservative forces to consolidate power in the former union. Mm -hmm. But despite that, I totally understand, you know, faced with this, where you literally have the leadership sending goons to shoot at you for having a strike. I can't exactly blame the steel haulers for being like, fuck this, we're out. They're putting up a building down on Main Street. But the man who laid the first stone on the corner Had the Jimmy Hoffa Memorial Building Blues Now some say Jimmy's down in Argentina Others tell you that he simply changed his name And a surgeon made him look a bit like Nixon but aside from that, it's still pretty much the same. Where's Jimmy? Where's Jimmy? Where's Jimmy? That's a question I know we all would love to know. Where's Jimmy? Where's Jimmy? Gonna wear those good old, good old boys on board. Now the gang that run the union said to Jimmy, Build aboard a brand new union building And we want you to dedicate it to But I heard a rumor down at the dedication From the kind of guy who has a nose for news He said Jimmy died of terminal cement poisoning And the Jimmy Hoffman Memorial Building Blue 
Indeed. 